What the fuck? We're gonna get back. We're gonna be better than ever. We're gonna do it live. Practice run. We're doing it live, ladies and gentlemen. That was a little practice run. I apologize. I'm not sure what happened. We'll figure out when I uh, save the recording back down. But somehow the recording paused. You hate to see it. Did the big dog do it? Is he trying to sabotage Uncle Train's intro? You gotta be wondering. Folks, there are a lot of crazy things that are happening in this world. Um, what we did is I just went into my closet because I noticed that the big dog was wearing his Yankee shirt. So I had to pick out a Mets shirt for myself, Uncle Train. And I was looking, and I opened one side of my closet door, which is a little tough to get to because when the door, when the main bedroom door is closed, the closet door is a little tough to open. And it's those situations that you really just hate to see. Little did I know, I forgot that my uh, wonderful girlfriend, Mo, big shout out, rearranged the stuff in my closet and put the jerseys on the other side so they're much more easily accessible, ladies and gents. I didn't even have to open that tough door that is pushed up against the bedroom door. It's the two-door closet. You know it, you love it. It's an old-time favorite. You absolutely have to suck it. That's, that's the most consistent rule of thumb Confucius say, you gotta suck it. So folks, what shirt are we wearing? Big shout out to the older brother of Uncle Train, Eves. Got me this customized Mets jersey. It says Uncle Train on the back. So boys and girls, if you see me at a Mets game, if coronavirus ever is no more, I will be wearing the shirt that says Uncle Train. It'll be me and the uh, and the cowbell man. If you've ever been to a Mets game, you know who I'm talking about. If you're a Yankees fan, you're probably a uh, big old sack of shit, and you just really go there for either the, part the garlic parmesan fries or to see the uh, one of the most wealthy teams in baseball spend a shit ton of money and make the postseason every single year. Either way, you really hate to see it. Moving on, ladies and gentlemen, coronavirus may never stop, and neither do we. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know it, you love it. We're talking Mets, we're talking Yankees, and Big Dog, we got another segment. What is that going to be? Uh, you know, we're going to break down the awards races in this final week of the season. We got some tight ones, unprecedented season, unprecedented last week. Uh, we're going to talk about playoff seeding a little bit, uh, how teams are going to navigate this wild postseason ride. How are they going to do it, folks? They're going to be navigating like Ferdinand Magellan, first one to circumnavigate the world. You absolutely have to love it. Sorry, and that's, and that's a little segment that we're going to call Dookie Town USA. Ladies Welcome and gents. to the Dookie Town. <laughs> it's great to have you all. The population is Uncle Train, the big dog, and in the all morning, the Dukes. Or sipping cups of Joe. Uncle Train, big dog in the morning, sipping cups of Joe, taking a big old-fashioned Dukes in the TV and farting around. Letting the farts bake underneath our butt cheeks on the chair at about, it's probably a low heat, it's not quite the oven hot, but we're talking, maybe that's probably like, I don't know, like 100 degrees or so. It's probably hotter than the human body, because if you're sitting down, you know, you get up, you put your hand down, that's pretty warm. It's probably around there. I would have guessed it's around 98.6, because folks, that's where the human body is. I'm, that's, that's all I got. That's, that's, there's no end to that ramble. Okay. We'll kill that in post. All right, folks. Big Dog, are we ready to hit him with the greatest tune of all time? Ladies and gentlemen, it's Tommy Rose, Sweet Pea. Come on, boy, how we doing?
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you hate to see it, but unfortunately, much to uh, my dismay, what does that even mean? Much to my dismay. Is that like much to my, uh, like I, I, hate, I hate to be the bearer of bad news kind of thing? I think it kind of means you hate to see it. Much to my, you really hate to see it. The big dog is going to start this segment. How do I not know what much to my dismay means? That's like a common phrase. It's very Jesus common Christ. phrase. Well, very either common. way, you hate to see it. Common ground. But folks, this ground is not common because there are two very different teams in New York right now. One of them absolutely stanks the big old-fashioned Duke farts. And that happens to be the team in Queens because we are really just not doing too hot, folks. There's another team who is... Uh, heating up. They got the biggest man with the tightest shirt, Luke Voigt, who somehow is apparently a modern-day Babe Ruth. Yeah, you really got to be wondering where that came from. But either way, um, doggy duty stain on the back of the pantaloons. It's leaking uh, down the pant leg onto the floor. What do you got to say about the Yanks right now, right here? Come on. Right here, Right now, this is what I got to say, the Yankees. So the Yankees were going through a tough stretch the last time we spoke. It wasn't looking so good. You know, I wasn't really feeling it. Uncle Train was really handing it to me uh, out in Fire Island. You hate to see that, folks. Um, but since then, uh, the I Yankees... Actually, I, I actually got some feedback on the last episode that it really, something just sounded off. Something was not right, and you could tell the spirits of the doggy duty stain were just really broken. And it seems like they've been built up. Yeah, so the Yankees uh, at that point were really playing a terrible brand of baseball. Uh, they did have a couple of wins there against the Mets. You have to thank the Mets for that because they're the only team that could have somehow uh, turned the Yankee spirits around and turned my spirits around during that time. But mm. anyway, um, we're not going to focus on that. Uh, recently, Yankees, nice little 10-game winning streak. You always hear Uncle Train talking about the 10-game winning streak. Anything Makes happen. a huge impact. 60-game season, 10-game winning streak. Sixth of the season, unbelievable yep. run for the Yankees. Yep. Um, during that streak, the pitching staff was incredible, uh, led by Cole, of course. But uh, what was really impressive was that at the beginning of that 10-game winning streak, they really needed a win. Uh, they had lost five in a row. And the rookie, Davey Garcia, actually threw like seven innings, quality start, just got the job done, led them to that first win and really sprung them on a run that would propel them back into the uh, middle of the playoff standings. Right now they have the five seed. They're fighting for the four seed. Um, so good things all around for the Yankees. Uh, we've seen them get healthy. Uh, you've seen Judge come back. You've seen Stanton come back. You've seen Urshela come back. You've seen Loizaga come back. And this is big, folks. Uh, Judge taking his time a little bit. He's he's knocking the rust off as he tries to get back. It's a difficult thing to do when, quite, when you missed quite, a couple quite a weeks. Bit, quite a bit of rust that he's got there, it seems, huh? However, uh, swinging the bat a little bit better recently. Picked up two hits tonight. Um, and you know he's going to be primed and ready to go come uh, October. Aaron Judge, he's, it's great to have him back. you got to hope he can stay healthy and uh, help guide the Yankees deep into October. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton looking all right uh, as he Check comes back as well. Um, so good to have the band back together. In Yankee land, it's leading to some wins. Uh, they lost the last two, but it looks like they are in line to win their 11th out of the last 13 uh, tonight. 
So really starting to heat up at the right time. Um, this is what we all knew needed to happen. It seems to be happening. And yeah, I think if you're a Yankee fan, you gotta feel pretty good right now. Uh, let's let's go over some of the, the highlights. Uh, what's everyone talking about? Well, how about Luke Voigt? We've been talking about him all season. Uncle Train alluded to it. He's got 21 home runs. He's leading all of Major League Baseball. It really is just unbelievable to watch. Uh, for those of you who do not know, the Yankees received Luke Voigt in a trade with the Cardinals for uh, Chazen Shreve of Mets fame and Giovanni Gallegos. Um, so really, just a great trade for the Yankees. Gallegos is a uh, solid pitcher for sure. Um, but Luke Voigt has been unbelievable. Just how unbelievable has he been? Well, how about Yankees with 21-plus home runs in the team's first 53 games? That's something that Luke Voigt accomplished here in 2020. Only other Yankees to do it, Mickey Mantle in 1956 and Babe Ruth. Uh, six times in his career. That's how great Babe Ruth was. Mm. And that's it. That's the end of the list. Tells you how unbelievable uh, Luke Voigt has been this season. He has been instrumental. Um, and he's definitely put himself right in the center of those MVP discussions. Um, we'll get to that a little bit later. But a hell of a year. 21 home runs, 49 RBI, mm. all on a bum foot. Uh, he's posting up every day for the Yankees, even as he limps and winces around the bases on those home runs. So really a, a tremendous year, uh, and he has definitely been one of, if not the MVP of the team. Um, the only other guy that could possibly have that title over him, another MVP candidate, is DJ LeMahieu. I mean, I don't know what else to say about DJ LeMahieu. He really is just unbelievable. It's to the point where... Brian Cashman actually needs to hand him a blank check this offseason and say, fill it in. You can have it because he really has earned that right. I mean, he has been one of the best players in all of baseball. That's not an exaggeration for the last two years. He is leading baseball this year in baseball reference offensive war. 2.6. That's above guys like Betts. Jeez. That's above guys like Trout. He is number one in that category. Unbelievable. So I, got a, I got a question. How... I mean, you might know just by you know being a Yankee fanatic uh, yourself and knowing a lot about the analytics and you know the training staff and all that. How the fuck did DJ LeMahieu go from being? Because again, this dude was consistently a very, very. Uh, he, I mean, the dude hits for you know very high average in Colorado. The dude did he win the uh, batting title a couple of years ago? He had like he batted like three fifty in Colorado. I'm not sure if he won the batting title or if he finished in the. He did. You know, the he, top did, of win the so he did win the batting title. title. He never hit more than eleven. Okay, so he with Colorado in 2018, he hit 15 dongs. 2016, when the year he won the batting title, he had 11. Uh, before that, he never hit double digits in ding dongs, and he had plenty of full full uh, seasons. You know where he's playing 150 plus games a season. So, how the fuck is it just because the Yanks play in a wiffle ball stadium that's meant for toddlers and t-ball players that he suddenly manages to now hit you know twenty six dongs uh, last year more than you know almost doubling you know his uh, his career high prior to that and then you know now you see him hitting ten dongs again in a shortened season that'll be it so he's kind of on a similar track in terms of games um, how the fuck is DJ LeMahieu putting up these power numbers while also 
still hitting for average. You know, you see guys like Jeff McNeil who hit for hit for average, and then they start to change their swing, hit 25 dongs a year, and then of course, as you would expect, their average you know decreases fairly dramatically. You know, somewhere in the tune of like the high you know 200s. DJ LeMahieu is still batting 365 on the year, and he's got 10 home runs in 44 games. So like, how the hell does he do this? So I think it's a couple of things, right? Um, first off, I think you make a great point. It's it's very clear that DJ LeMahieu went pretty unnoticed on the free agent market a year ago. Um, why that was, I, I think it's because in 2018, hits 276 with a 321 OBP, um, you know, 15 home runs, right? So that was a spike for his career. That was his career high at the point, at that point. Uh, I think what happened is this. I think at that point in his career, he's starting to become a product of the launch angle revolution. He's starting to see a little bit more pop in his bat. Um, that year, he actually suffered a thumb a thumb injury um, that kind of deterred his his batting season. Um, and you know, the three years previous to that, 310, 348, 301 in terms of his batting average. So it's not really anything new in terms of the batting average. Of and we did start to see the spike in home runs, um, you know, coming Last uh, in 2018. Now, one other thing is yeah. this. If you watch DJ LeMahieu every single day, he takes what's given to him. You know, he is willing to pull the ball if it's on the inner part of the plate. He's willing to put the ball to the opposite field if it's on the outside part of the plate. He's willing to inside out the ball to right field. Um, which as a righty in Yankee Stadium plays well because obviously they have the short porch. So he's actually a righty taking advantage of that short porch. That was a misconception, I think, before he was signed last year is this idea that, you you know, as Yankee Stadium, you want all these lefties to pull the ball over that 314-foot short porch in right field. Well, a righty can take advantage of it too, and that's what he's doing. Um, there's no doubt about it. He hits a lot of home runs that way. Um, but really the guy is just... He's an unbelievable hitter. It, it, it really is. He is one of the best hitters that I've ever watched, um, just in, in general. I mean, you just always feel like you're going to get a good at bat with him. Uh, and he's just incredible. Um, there's some I, there's kind of not, magic when you put on the pinstripes. There's got yeah, I, I mean, that it's, that has to do with it, too. I do think the Yankees have a good analytics department. They know what they're doing. But I really think a lot of it is just he is a guy that comes in, he posts up, he gets hits. He does his job. He, I think, he wakes up every single morning. He rolls out of bed, and he could, he could hit, he could get he two has hits. To, he has to take a gigantic duke. I mean, that, that's that's got every be. single day, every single day. I mean, he must uh, be waking up. He has the cup of joe first thing, and he just flushes himself out. I mean, we are talking a full on, an absolute mess. It's all over the place. He's painting the walls brown. Yeah, but the other, so here's the other thing that, that, and again, this is just me bitching as a Mets fan who fucking hates the Yankees, and I think it's absolute bullshit. And there's some sort of spell on the Yankee players once they put on the pinstripes. You also look at a guy like, like Gio Urshela, how he is an absolute, you know, scrub dude. You know, the first three years that he's in the majors, plays, you know, two, two seasons, you know, half seasons with Cleveland, plays a couple games with Toronto in 2018, comes to the Yanks all of a sudden in 2019. After, in, you know, 81 games with Cleveland, hits, you know, six dongs here and there. Second year with Cleveland, 67 games, hits one dong. Um... Then Toronto, obviously, you know, barely even played 19 games, hit a homer. Comes to the Yankees in 2019 and immediately starts hitting 21 homers in 132 games. Like, this is like the kind of shit that any other baseball fan, you're like, how the fuck is this happening? How the fuck do the Yankees get these random... Again, not saying D.J. LeMay, who's a random dude, because he's definitely not, clearly. But they get these guys who just are not power hitters, 
uh, guys like Gio Rochelle is not even a fucking average hitter. And then all of a sudden, they just start mashing. Like, do you think there is some sort of spell? And when you put on the pinstripes, you all of a sudden just become an amazing player. And when you no longer have the pinstripes on, you stink Duke. Can, do, I mean, do, do, do you agree to that to an extent that it's almost kind of bullshit and that every other baseball fan has a reason to be pissed off because you're like, how the fuck do you just get this random dude who comes onto your team and all of a sudden is the, is the star of baseball? Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't blame you for getting frustrated, um, especially as the Mets have a long history of signing guys who, you, who were good prior to being on the Mets, and then they get to the Mets and they can no longer perform. Um, but I also, but yes, it, it does seem there is some magic uh, in putting on the pinstripes. Okay. Okay. I think it also shows, though, that the Yankees are a lot more now than the stereotype, which is that they can just buy every player they want. They're a lot more yes. than that. Yes. I mean, they found Luke Voigt. They found Gio Urshela. Now they, they have traded some magical spell. That's what they do now. That's their new right. thing is the magical spell. They, they spend when they need to, but they have a very, they have a, a very good way now of developing the position players right. No, you're right. and also being able to find diamonds in the rough. They're not the only team doing it. I mean, the Dodgers do it also. I mean, of also. course, then a guy like Derek Cole comes along, and they're just like, all right, right, let's just break the bank for the dude because we can because they're the Yankees and we're a bunch of schmucks. But that's also the guy that they needed for years. I, I mean, that is like the one thing that was really holding them back was you need an ace pitcher in October. Of course, it's just Garrett Cole to be comes the one to market. Guy who, who warrants, you know, the record-breaking contract. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, he he deserved it, and and they needed it. I mean, he he has provided a lot of stability in that rotation, and all of a sudden, you go into October, he's starting Game One of this of of the first round series, especially this year when you can only start. When you only have three games to, to get it done, yep. I mean, having him versus having anyone else that they would have had the past couple years is is a major difference. Um, so, yeah, they had to break the bank there. But, yep. Yep. yeah, the, the Yankees have been very good overall at finding diamond-in-the-rough players, uh, using their analytics team, and figuring out ways to build this team out, so uh, not just with the superstars, but with depth. That has gone a long way for them. And people forget, DJ LeMahieu, one, Yankees fans overall, not myself included because I'm not a fucking idiot, were upset uh, when the Yankees signed DJ LeMahieu. If you ever want want a good laugh, go back to Yankees when the Yankees posted that they signed DJ LeMahieu. Check out what some of the Yankees fans were saying in the comments. Actually laughable. Um, I was on the right side of history here, folks. You know, that that's just how it typically is. Uh, you know, not, not to brag, not to pat myself on the back, but DJ LeMahieu, it was just obvious to me. They needed a guy who could put the ball in play. You saw what happened two years ago in the playoffs. You got to get timely hits in the playoffs, and, and DJ LeMahieu is going to be, you know, one of the best bets to get that done. So, uh, yeah, love DJ LeMahieu. Going into tonight, 10-point lead over Tim Anderson for the batting title. Um, the two of them duked it out. Duke. You got to duke uh, it out, baby. Come on. They're duking it out. Um, as they did last year, it would, LeMahieu would be the first person in baseball history. I think I've mentioned this before, but the first time in baseball history someone would win the batting title in the NL and the AL. So keep a lookout for DJ LeMahieu to get that done. Now. I want to shift gears a little bit because I would be remiss if I didn't say something that has been on my mind all season long, and I'm hitting a boiling point with it as we head towards October. Gary Sanchez stinks. He has an absolute sack of Duke. You hate to see the bean man himself, folks. 
he is horrible. I have a major, major issue heading into October and playing this guy in meaningful games. To me, it is almost insane to do it. Yes, thanks. Why? Why? Well, first of all, he stinks. I mean, what, what you know, Garrett Cole, right? So we're a lot of talk about Garrett Cole um, with with Gary Sanchez. So Gary Sanchez and Garrett Cole, eight games started, three point nine one ERA, two twenty four batting average for opposing hitters, two eighty two on base percentage. Um, okay, you know. The ERA is not great. The other numbers are, are good. They're not unbelievable. Kyle Higashioka. This is not including the start that happened tonight where Garrett Cole threw seven innings of one-run baseball. So these numbers are actually better uh, across the board probably. But three games started, .9 ERA, 127 Jeez. average, 184 on base percentage. Very small sample size, not going to lie. Very small sample size. But clearly, Garrett Cole and Kyle Kagashioka are a better pairing than just uh, than Gary Sanchez and, and Garrett Cole are. So that's going to be game one. Okay, that's set in stone. We've seen it four times in a row now, folks. We don't need to talk about it anymore. Kyle Higashioka is catching game one in the wild card round. Book it. But I'm, I'm telling you, Kyle Higashioka should be catching games two and three and every Ladies fucking postseason game that the Yankees have, it should be Kyle Higashioka. The guy is a much better game caller. The pitchers throw well to him. I, I mean, it, it's, it, you know, the other day, Davey Garcia has his first clunker uh, Crockett, of, of his career. Again, Stinks. small sample Stinks. size, only his first like four or five starts. Who's behind the plate for the clunker? Gary Sanchez. And, I, and I'm left wondering how much of it is that Davey's stuff wasn't on that day mm. and how much of it was that Gary Sanchez just stinks at calling a game and wasn't featuring Davey Garcia's curveball enough that day, which, by the way, is an unbelievable pitch, wasn't featuring it that day. The percentages show it. And not to mention Kyle Higashioka giving you a much better at bat, folks. I mean, Jesus Christ. How many times do we have to run Gary Sanchez out there to watch his 125 batting average put up every single day? I can't put up with it. It really is so frustrating. You know, sorry, 147 batting average. He's raised it a little bit, folks. 247 OBP. Wow. It's unacceptable. He's got a minus 0.3 baseball reference war. It is just disgusting. Now, you might be saying, Big Dog, you're recommending a journeyman backup catcher play over your stud. I don't know who's calling him a stud anymore, but your formerly stud catcher, Gary Sanchez. Yeah. Kyle Higashioka, limited time, only 48 bats, 0.3. That's a positive war. Unbelievable. 250 batting average. How about the other day? Knocks three home runs. So you can't even tell me he doesn't give you the power stroke. Three home runs in one day. When's Gary Sanchez doing that? Haven't seen it all season long. Give me Kyle Higashioka every time. I am telling you now, and I hate to say it. I really do. And I will shut up after this about this. I hate to say it. But if the Yankees play Gary Sanchez consistently in October, it will come back to bite them at some point. It is what it is. You cannot keep doing it. If you keep doing something and keep failing at it, 
I, I don't know what to tell you. you got to make the switch. It's Kyle Higashioka for me in the postseason. Uh, that's what I have to say. Last thing on the Yankees, um, and we'll cover this probably more in our postseason -pre post preview episode. Come on. Uh, should, should that happen next week. It will. Um, Yankees rotation going into October. We've told you they've gotten healthy. That's great. Um, you're obviously throwing Cole game one. Then it comes down to games two and three. Now, folks, I got to tip the cap to someone that I was giving a lot of shit to earlier in the year. That's Jay Happ. Jay Happ, 3.25 ERA this season. Right he down. has really, he has really, uh, you know, reeled it in and, and had a very good season. And he has made a strong case to be the Yankees three, maybe four, if you like Davey better, um, in the playoffs. But if, if the Yankees are going to go far, folks, Jay Happ going to be a big part of it. Now, one thing I've been saying for a while, and I'm going to share it with the podcast fans, and this is going to be the, the last thing I go over here in the Come Yankees on. segment. If I'm the Yankees, here's what I'm thinking. You throw Cole out game one, you hope for the win. If Cole gets the win, I'm very tempted to throw Happer Davey in game two. Try and secure it with them. They've both been very good. And then you're saving Masahiro Tanaka, who has constantly shown you that he could pitch in the big game uh, for game three before you have four off days before heading into a possible division series. To me, that is a very interesting strategy, um, one that myself I would probably use um, because I don't think you want a game three situation with Hap or Davey if you can avoid it. I think you trust Tanaka more there. Mm. Um, but it all depends on getting that win with Cole. If you can't get the, that win with Cole, Tanaka's got to throw game two. Um, but just something on my mind. Curious to hear Uncle Train's thoughts on that. Um, do you agree with me that you have to think about some strategy there and save the guy who you know can get it done for game three if you win game one? Or, or do you just go for the kill shot in, in game two and, and throw Tanaka there? I think you got to go for the kill shot. This is the kind of situation. I'm not one to uh, try to play strategy when it comes to playoffs, even though it is very rare that I actually uh, get the opportunity to uh, think playoffs with the Metsies. But overall, no. It's playoffs. It's make it or break it. You don't want to be toying around because then you start to get cheeky. You don't want to get cute and cheeky because then you drop game two, and then look, all of a sudden you got your backs up against the wall and it put in a uh, you know elimination game. So that's the kind of situation that no, you want to you, you you go let the dogs out of the cage. The big dogs got to bark. The big dogs are going to start biting, and you don't want to be strategizing as to which big dog you want to let bite. You want to let your big guns go first. Try to take care of business as soon as possible. You know you don't got to get cute with it. Yeah, appreciate the uh, the take there. Uh, there's obviously two sides. Uh, very valid points. Uh, if you want to give us your thoughts on the Yankees postseason pitching, please feel free to tweet us on the Twitter at train underscore big dog. Mm. Uh, we are we are not very active on Twitter, folks, but we'd be happy to hear your thoughts. Or or you can shoot us a text. If you, if shoot you got us a text. If you got a number. If you're not one of our award-winning listeners out in uh, Germany, Japan. Poland or Ukraine and you likely you know you actually have our number you can feel free to shoot us a text and we'll you can shoot us a text to uh, please subject it uh, Uncle Train the Big Dog Ask Jeeves Grab Bag uh, Big Old Gallon of Hoo-Ha and we will make sure that we get back to you come on and that folks 
is our Yankee segment, and now a word from our sponsors. Sock em boppers, sock em boppers, more fun than a pillow fight. Blow them up, put your hand inside, get ready to have the time of your life. Sock em boppers, it's sock em boppers, brought to you by, by Big Time Toys. Batteries not included. Big Time Toys, that was it? Big Time Toys, presenting you sock em boppers. More fun than a pillow fight. Blow them up. Put your hand inside. You're ready to have the time of your life. Ladies and gents, sock and boppers. I don't think I ever owned a pair. I don't think my mom let us own a pair of these. We, the closest thing we had were the gigantic blow-up inflatable shoes you get from bar mitzvahs. And I think we would put those on our hands, me and Ethan, and try to beat the shit out of each other. Or just, like, fuck around and, you know, run around in those. But the sock and boppers, I had a couple friends who had them. And let me tell you, blast. Unbelievable. Really an unbelievable toy. It's you get the opportunity to just beat the bag out of your friends. And what's better than that? Really. There's I would nothing. love to have a sock and bopper right now and just beat the absolute bag out of you. <laughs> Especially with the Yanks doing as well as they are right now. Just hearing the constant chirping. It doesn't stop, folks. And uh, it'd be nice to just uh, give you a good old whack in the tush. Also, just one of the greatest toy names of all time. Yes. Yes. Sockum Boppers. I mean, who doesn't hear that? That it's fr- not only is it called Sockum Boppers, but it's by Big Time Toys. I mean, big time, we take baby. we take Big Time Dukes on we this do. podcast, and You're this right. is a Big Time toy. You're right. It's a match made in heaven, and this is just one of the greatest toy names of all time. And the company is Big Time. I mean, they're literally Big Time. Blow them up and put your hand inside. You could actually probably. If you wanted to, I mean, you don't have to. You could probably take a duke inside instead of putting your hand inside. And There's no doubt about that. That's, I mean, you can absolutely lock that in. That People you, were taking dukes in there. They were leaving it on the porch, lighting it on fire. People have been taking dukes and sock and boppers since, probably since like 97. I would go I, as far back as that. I actually have a friend who used to... Uh, pull, do, you, do you take a dump in a jack-o'-lantern? He used to put a little uh, tuna fish... In the, uh, the Sagam Bopper. And he would squirt a little mayo in there. A little celery, dice it up, Sagam Bopper, stir it up. And he would make tuna salad inside of a Sagam Bopper. <laughs> a little bit of, uh, a little bit of dill. Okay, so my secret, I'm, gonna, I'm giving out my secret now. My secret to make the tuna salad as close to deli as possible, which I think you really need a food processor if you want to make it deli style. But what I do is, first of all, I grind up the tuna salad with my hands. I like put it into my hands. You gotta be careful because you can't put your finger in the tuna fish can. Shout out to Eves. <clears throat> I almost just threw it in my mouth. Uh, not thinking about this, just in general. He, you know, my brother put his hands when he was like two or three years old in a tuna fish can, cut it. He wrote a whole song about it. Because um, that's the rule. You can't touch the tuna fish can. <laughs> um, but either way, my, my tuna salad, I take the tuna out of the can. I do this over the sink, and I put the bowl in the sink, but I, like, grind the tuna between my hands. It's like a handmade food processor. And I put the bowl aside, wash my hands off so they're not dirty. You got to do the mayo. You got to go with Hellman's. I do Hellman's Organic now. That's what I do. Uh, Put a little bit of chopped onion if you got it. If you don't, and you don't want to do that much effort, you can put onion powder in it. It works just as well. 
Uh, I do a little bit of garlic powder, not too much, the tiny little baby bit of garlic powder. A little, little bit, gives a nice kick. Got to do salt, pep, of course. Um, dill weed, a little bit of dill weed, and then the kicker, yellow mustard. A little bit of yellow mustard in the mayo, I'm telling you, that is what makes it deli style. Does it, it have to be? Does it have to be specifically yellow, or can you utilize you can do spicy, spicy brown. brown? You can. Yeah, you can do the spicy brown. Not. I'm a spicy brown guy. Oh, I'm no, a spicy brown me, guy. Most of the time in our fridge, all we got is spicy brown, so that's what I use. If you're doing spicy brown, though, don't have a heavy hand, light hand, light hand, tiny little baby baby hand. All right, tiny hands. Big shout out to Bill and M. They sent me a couple tiny hands from Colorado. Come on. Um, <laughs> Sock and boppers, ladies and gents, big time toys. You can put a little bit of tuna fish in it like Mikey's buddy. I don't know why the fuck you do that, but folks, you know, we don't question these things on the pod. We are a pod of the people. Fuck Trump. Come on, boy. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're happy to be back. Feels like we never left. Ah, fucking Mets. Motherfucking Mets. God damn it. God fucking damn it. Uh, we're fucked. We're officially fucked. You hate to see it. Um, I really thought, you know, we, we had a chance. We started to falter last week. Uh, that's really when I started to see the decline. We had a must-win game uh, last Friday. We started the series against the uh, Braves, it was. Uh, Three-game series. I am also officially saying cancel Stephen Matz. I cannot believe I'm saying it. I have been behind the local boy from Long Island. Welcome. For welcome to the, welcome to the right side. I mean, I just, I, I think about his grandpa in the box suite, cheering him on, saying holy shit when he had four ribeye steaks in his debut game, and I almost start to, you know, backtrack in my thoughts. But I can't, the dude stinks on ice, it's a fish, I mean, granted he's just coming back, but folks, he was making, so this is last Friday, he was making his first start in about a month, I think his last start was like August 15, something like that. He started off the game, guns a-blazing, gave up four straight hits to start the game. Uh, made it through the first innings fairly unscathed, and then in the uh, second inning, got absolutely uh, fricked. And then he didn't even make it a full three. He ended up in the second inning getting shelled for five earned on eight hits. You hate to see it. Got pulled, brought in the golden boy, Franklin Colon. Came in to save the day and promptly got through the inning. We shuffled him back out there for the fourth. He gave up six earned. The game was officially a shit show. The boys were then down like 10 nothing. Ended up losing that game, I think, 13-2. to um, But the highlight of that game, ladies and gentlemen, we brought in the Faja himself, Todd Father, coming in, pitching the ninth. We now know the boy's a knuckleballer. Apparently, he was telling, uh, back in the day, he was telling... Terry Collins, you know, you gotta throw me out there. I am back and I'm better than ever. Um, but no, uh, unfortunately that never came. Not, not Terry, sorry, uh, Mickey Cal, Senor Mick. Uh, but either way, the boy was throwing 55 mile an hour cheddar knuckleballs. Uh, got a line out to center, which was pretty hard hit, then struck out Adam Duval on a knuckleballer, absolutely fooled him. It was extremely questionable, definitely outside the strike zone, but come on, boy, you gotta love it. You absolutely have to suck it, Adam. Uh, then finished off the ninth inning on another line out. One, two, three inning for the Todd Father. So he can now say he has a zero ERA, 
Uh, he's got a K. So the boy, I think he's made a statement for himself to uh, enter the Mets bullpen or the rotation because no one else can fucking pitch for shit. The game after that, this weekend on Saturday, we took that against the Braves 7-2. And then, of course, on Sunday, we lost 7-0. Either way, at this point, I think we were fucked anyway. The whole last week was a shit show. Um, we had like three or four games in a row last week where our starters didn't make past three innings. So you already knew it was kind of down in the dumps. We were absolutely fricked in the bung-bung. Um, and, of course, on Sunday, uh, Ric- Ricardo Porcello. The Italian Stallion himself with another beautiful start. You gotta love Ricardo Porcello, what he's showing that he could do in the old blue and orange uniform. But unfortunately, the bullpen fucked it up. Ricardo Porcello only gave up three hits, a solo shot, so really nothing else beyond that. And then, of course, Familia, Chase, and Shreve fucked it up. Uh, they gave up like two and three earned, respectively. They fucked us in half. It is what it is. So, of course... Um, you're looking at, you know, what happened then after that. Last night, story, story of the Mets, uh, of DeGrom's career, actually. The boy pitched a beauty, struck out 14. He gave up, like, two earned on four hits, and, of course, the Mets couldn't do shit again. This is kind of the story of the Mets over the last decade or so. Jeffy Mack scored the only ribeye, um, on an infield hit with the bases chucked. So that's the kind of shit that we're able to pull out, you know, against, uh, against the Rays. In a situation where the big dog, you really, uh, you really needed the Mets to do something there. So in a situation, would have been nice. The big dog is finally rooting for the Mets. You hate to see what they do. They put up Jack Duke. It is what it is. So Degrom is kind of, you know, one of the. We got a couple, you know, silver linings of the year. Dom Smith, obviously. I mean, the boy is putting up absolute big boy numbers. Finally, this is the year where he actually gets some playing time. Uh, he was kind of shadowed by Pete Alonso last year. He was struggling just to kind of get in the game, uh, you know, all through last season. And finally, of course, when the boy gets consistent playing times, 315 batting average. You know, this is through 46 games this year. He's got 162 uh, at-bats. 40, 41 ribeye stakes. So I, I have a question for you about you can Dom talk to me, Big Smith. Dog. So, Dom Smith, unbelievable year. Uh, yep. You know, alluding to the stats, he, he's been incredible. Um, what does this mean for the Yankees or for the Mets? What does this mean for the Mets mm-hmm. next year going into the season? What's Pete Alonso's role on this team? This is tough because this because tough. The, I know because the tr- the truth is, you know, is he a full time DH? Like, what role is he relegated to? So is Dom Smith playing mm-hmm. this well, knowing that this was a short sample size? Um, I do want to be clear about that, but. Pete yes. Alonso, yes. okay. horrible year, like really bad. Um, two hundred two batting average, two ninety eight OBP. Nothing uh, compared to Dom Smith. So course, I want to hear course. where your head's at. So there's yeah, of course, of course. There's a little thing called the sophomore slump, you know. And plenty of plenty of batters have been through it. Um, it is what it is. It's the kind of thing that you got to try to look past, and you can't really. I wouldn't you know, necessarily plan your entire year around something uh, like a bullshit absolute horse duke of a covid shortened season it's a mini game of a season for uh, baseball and you really just kind of got to ignore the entire year overall um you know regardless with that being said a regular full year covid year especially given that's a covid year but either way no matter the kind of season a sophomore slump is something that happens like i said and again you can't yeah you can kind of plan you know if if you you throw the guy back out there again you, you have to throw him back out there to start next season um pete alonso that is you don't want, I think, the way I see it is with a young guy like that, you don't want to 
really try to shatter his confidence and immediately kind of discard the guy as always, you know, it was a miracle year his rookie season. Second year he comes out, you know, like absolute Duke. So, you know, let's start him on the bench this year or keep a very, very short leash with him. To me, it's the kind of situation where you keep, you know, you throw him out there, you continue to ride it out. You go throughout, you know, the month of April into May. If he is, continues to hit to the tune of a 200 batting average, you start to sit him. Of course you have to, you know, you got to light a fire on his ass somehow. You can't just continue to run him out there just because, you know, you think he's going to, battle through it. That's something that Terry Collins continued to do with, with our team um, prior to Mickey Calloway taking over as manager. And that's something that I always hated is that he would always just say, oh, you know, these guys are going to battle it out. We're going to keep throwing them out there. And that's something that we even see with guys like uh, Edwin Diaz. You know, again, it, it kind of, I think that, that sort of concept carries over both to the offense and, the, and both offense and pitching, where if a guy is really struggling, you can't just continue to throw him out there and have him grind through it and try to really break through. Uh, you have to have, again, I'm not saying that you need to have an incredibly short leash, but you can't have one where you just keep running them out there day after day because eventually that starts to take a toll on his confidence as well, right? So you've got to try to, and then again, that's, maybe that's why I'm not a manager is I don't know the exact time you know, where you got to really pull them in. That's why I'm not being getting paid the big bucks. But the way that I see it is got to find a happy medium between keeping his confidence there and not you know, having him be absolutely shattered by swinging through pitches, Kang, you know, twice a game kind of thing, and expecting him to just continue to grind it out. Um, but at the same time, you can't just keep throwing him out there, but you don't want to just say, okay, one week, you throw up shit, we're going to pull you, right? You, you, you need to give him time, but I think you need to, and that's the big thing about being a manager, is you need to be able to communicate, um, you know, on the field with your player, but also in the clubhouse, and to build that sort of, you know, emotional uh, connection and rapport with the players as a manager is a key thing, which is why I was kind of high on Rojas coming in, you know, as a 39-year-old young dude. He's got that sort of, you know, clubhouse mentality. He gets along with the players. But maybe what we're seeing is, um, you know, with someone like that, maybe it's almost like too close as a peer. You almost need someone that has that sort of uh, veteran leadership in the clubhouse. You know, you can get guys on your roster like, you know, like the Todd father, the Faja who have that sort of fatherly, you know, paternal sort of feel, you know, an older guy, but not a 70-year-old, you know, Terry Collins. I think having a guy like Terry, I'm just like, I shit on Terry Collins a lot, but there's a lot of things that I do miss from him, you know, being in the clubhouse. Um, and I think having that veteran presence, presence is key in situations like that. And I, start, I, you know, I talked in this bit of a circle there, but I think all those points definitely do hold true. No, you're, you're definitely, uh, definitely uh, think, think that makes sense. I, I guess my my thing is with this, right? Like, one, with the Pete Alonso thing, does that mean when you say roll him out there next year? I completely agree. But, but that could mean as, as a full-time so, DH. Right, I, right. I mean, yeah. So what I would do, and again, who's to say because I'm not getting paid the big bucks, but, um, you know, you look at the splits. You look to see what their splits are against, uh, you know, right-handed batters, left-handed batters. If you've got to bench a guy one day, you do. You know, you do what you got to do. Um, but overall, you know, look at their um, look at their defensive statistics too. And this is why we need guys deep in the analytics, looking at you know the sabermetric shit based on different ballparks, based on different temperatures, based on who's on the mound, based on who else is on the field. A player's defensive numbers can definitely change drastically. 
And these are the kind of things, again, I don't have the numbers in front of me, I'm not crunching the numbers here, but this is why you have a full department of guys doing these, uh, these Sabre metrics to get these sorts of analytics and numbers for you so you can make these decisions. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, and a lot of the old timers will say, oh, no, you know, you don't need those numbers. A lot of it is instinct um, and just going with your gut. But, you know, look at the shit that, you know, we're seeing more and more nowadays where the analytics are becoming ever more important. And like I said, you're going to see defensive splits change dramatically based on a ton of different factors. Um, so, again, I think defensively, I don't know if, you know, there, there's not a glaring difference I would say between the two I think that you know they both still pick balls in the dirt um Dom might be a little more versatile and I think you know he's the kind of guy that you could run out in the outfield if you wanted to we've seen that this year yeah clearly he's not a natural outfielder but this is a guy that overall you gotta get him in the fucking lineup and if it takes throwing him a left field you know against a shitty team then so be it I wouldn't throw him out in left field you know against the Dodgers or against the Braves because he's going to be running all over the place, and maybe that's not the right situation. But again, you kind of got to, I think you definitely have to have a, an analytics department to crunch the numbers there. It's not as simple as just saying, you know, A or B. Right. I think you're, I think you're spot on. Um, you know, clearly, I think a lot of, uh, let's call them mainstream fans uh, yep. of the Metropolitans will get excited about Stevie Cohen because he will spend the big bucks on free agent talent, but mm. perhaps more important is probably going to be building out the infrastructure of the Mets. Um, that starts with an analytics team Absolutely. Uh, that can that can get it done. And it leads me to my next question. Um, Full of questions here, the big bug. I have a couple questions. Um, as we tie a bow on a disappointing season for the 2020 Mets in which which they could not make the playoffs uh, in an expanded field, what what changes need to happen? And the reason that I ask this is is for this reason. The Mets' offense is good. I I mean... It's one of the best in baseball. They're top batting average. One of the best averages, one of the best on base percentages, yet... Not, not coinciding with how many runs they're scoring. I mean, right. obviously they've they've done pretty well on that front, but I believe the last I checked, they were ninth in the league in runs, even with the best batting average and second best on base percentage by like a hundredth of a point. So let's call them the the best in both uh, facets. Ninth in runs scored. Obviously the pitching was not good this year, partly because Cindergaard hurt, Strowman gone. So what? few things if you had to detail two to three things that you think need to change heading into 2021 i'll tell you number one thing how how do the mets get back to the playoffs number one thing right off the bat and we've said it time after time year after year bullpen bullpen needs to be improved you need to go out and you need to and again it's tough um i'm not saying you need to necessarily sign the best closer uh in all of baseball kind of thing but when you see guys that are available on the market, like when the Yanks got fucking out of Vino. That's a guy that you look at his overall numbers and the dude is, he's a consistent, um, he's a consistent reliever. So he's actually stunk this year. Just just so we're clear, he has sure. stunk this year. This year, got put as a Stankfest. Okay. Um, but overall, you know, you look at previous years, you know, with... Uh, with, with Colorado in 2018, then you guys got him in 2019. Um, you know, he had a 2-4-3 ERA 
in Colorado, comes to you as a 190 ERA. Um, you know, even prior to that, the dude is putting up solid numbers in Colorado from 2012, had a blip in 2017. But overall, again, like you see some of the arms that the Yanks are signing, that some of these other guys are signing, and the Mets don't seem to be making signings on stable arms, it seems. One thing I want to say, just as a note, Edwin Diaz, the narrative, obviously he has been bad, but 1.2 war this season, this year. Short, yeah, shortened yeah. season, 1.57 yeah. ERA. Obviously there are the games where he there, comes back to that, bite you in the ass. That's but the thing. It's, the, it, it's, it's some critical games, though, and you don't see that absolutely. with other teams. And that's the difference, because you can look at the numbers, and you could just you know solely look at you know, ERA and Ks per nine and sign a deal based on, you know, those two stats alone. But again, you need to have a department who are scouting out these guys and looking and looking at the analytics and details and saying, okay, this is a guy who consistently, you know, in a high leverage situation, how does he handle the ball? And how does he pitch on the, you know, on the mound? Um, we've seen Diaz fuck up time and time again in a high pressure situation. So yeah, you could look at the, just the numbers at face value and say, oh, he's having a great year. I can think of, you know, th- three games specifically where he fucked it up for us. So in a shortened season, those three games, you know, could be make it or break it. So this is the kind of shit where I'm saying we need to get more reliable arms in the pen, guys who you can bring in in a, situ- in a high leverage situation and not expect to absolutely shit the bed. I don't know, maybe it's just the Mets. But every single time we bring in anyone from our pen in, you know, a, uh, say it's a, you know, one run game in the ninth, never have confidence. And maybe it's a Mets thing. Maybe it just will, is a Mets thing. It will always be a Mets thing. And we are forever cursed and we're always fucked and nothing is ever going to change. But beyond the pen, I mean, I would say our, uh, our scouts, we probably need some, uh, some new fresh guys in there, some fresh eyes. Uh, in our scouting department. Again, guys like uh, Sandy Alderson, he's the kind of guy who, um, you know, he drafted DeGrom, Harvey. Granted, we know we know how Harvey turned out, but we saw what he could have been. Uh, Matt's, but we're not going to talk about that. You know, he brought in young guys like Cindergaard, Darno. Unfortunately, Darno, uh, you know, kind of stunk the big farts and was never healthy for us. But of course, the second that we trade him, he's fine, you know, with the, with, with the Braves and he starts uh, killing us. But either way, to me, the scouting, because it seems like, actually, no, we got some, we had some good people on the farm, but unfortunately, we just fucking, we sold everyone, we, we traded away everyone. So maybe that's it. Maybe uh, Brody's got to go. He's fucked us in half for the last two years. So um, overall, long story short, bullpen, we need some more reliable arms, scouting, we need to bolster our farm. It feels pretty thin. You look at the Yanks and the type of guys that they've brought up, um, and maybe this is the kind of thing. And I've been hearing rumors about Steve Cohen looking to maybe uh, steal Brian Cashman away from the Bronx. And I know you've that's seen, not happening. You've seen that's the rumors. That's not happening. You've seen the rumors. Uh, I, I've seen the speculative pieces that make absolutely no sense. People are talking. Because Brian Cashman is signed for another couple of years. He's not well, going so, anywhere. Okay. More so, likely, more likely for the Mets is Theo Epstein. I think that is a more plausible scenario. Sure. Theo Epstein could get hired by sure. Steve Cohen. But either way, um, you know, guys like that who can have a big impact in in the farm system, uh, 
you know, the minor side of the organization. Because again, that's where if you, you know, really want to win games, not by just buying the best players. And if anybody knows me as a Mets fan, you know that that's not the route that I like to take. Your boy likes to uh, play the small ball. I love that Billy Bean, you know, A's money ball kind of shit. And I hate the fucking evil empire Yanks when they just buy the best players in baseball, you know, uh, mid-2000s. So, folks, I would love to not fall into that same vicious uh, cycle that the Yanks did of just buying everyone and everyone hates you. Because nobody wants to fall into a situation like that. It's embarrassing. Uh, you hate to see it. It brings shame to your family. It brings shame to the fan base. Uh, so overall, let's look to both that farm system, get guys, you know, like the Yanks are bringing up Luke, uh, you know, they get Voight, they get Clint Frazier, who by the way, Clint Frazier has made a fucking impact for you guys, uh, but since he's been called up in August, uh, he's a player, like eight ding dongs, 20 ribeyes, something he, like that. He's been like 300. So big shout official out part of the future, official part of the future, Again. the present and the future. And this is the thing. So, you know, if we had a situation where we could just bring up guys from our, uh, you know, double A, triple A teams who can keep the team going in a dire situation when your stars are hurt, like the Yanks have been able to do, I would love a situation like that. But unfortunately, right now that's not happening. We'll see what the Mets can do in terms of changing up some personnel in the front office. Stevie Cohen, please be the savior, my man. Don't just start throwing money. I know uh, our buddy Matthew from Hoboken likes that, but that's not how we want to do it, so come on. Overall, that's going to uh, bring us to a word from our sponsors. I cannot live another day without air conditioning. Says tomorrow's gonna be hotter. Hotter? Like yesterday. Yesterday? Yesterday you said you'd call Sears. I'll call today. You'll call now. I'll call now. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Now call Sears, you get no financing or anything else. You crazy motherfucker. Um, ladies and gentlemen, it's Sears Air Conditioning. You gotta love it. They have probably the best air conditioners that you could possibly imagine. We're talking Kenmore. We're talking, uh, shit, what else? Uh, General Electric. General Electric. I mean, folks, the amount of cold air that's about to be pumped into your house, you're gonna be fucking freezing your ass off. You're going to be so cold in the middle of the night that you're mm -hmm. going to need to rush out of your bed yep. into your warm-as-fuck area outside of your bedroom into the bathroom where you're going to take yep. a giant dupe, but you're going to be nice, you're going to be cold, you're going to be ready to go. Because, folks, if there's... When you warm up, yep. if there's, Duke's going to warm you right up. If, if, there's, so any place, nice, if nice there's any place... If there's any place that you know you're going to be warm, feeling fine, fine as wine... It's sitting on a TB, taking a big old-fashioned Duke and TB, and you absolutely have to love it. You're going to take the Duke, it might freeze, don't know what's going on, but either way, you're going to be feeling good, feeling warm, and feeling fine. And folks, that's really the message that I think Sears is trying to get across. I, it really, I think, was like a, sub, a subliminal commercial for, uh, for toilets. They really want you to get the air conditioner so that you can get so unbelievably cold that you could just go into the bathroom and take a Duke and the TV and warm up. And and I couldn't agree more with you, subliminal messaging, because once the lady says, you'll call now, you know what she's thinking. She's right. thinking, you'll call now because... I'm I gotta take a big old of, Duke. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of taking a hot and steamy, sweaty Duke. I, you know, I want to be... 
Right. I, I want to be a nice temperature when I'm taking yeah. my Duke. I don't want to be sweaty. I don't want to be 100 degrees. I need Absolutely. my air conditioner. 60 degrees. Cold as hell. Cold yep. as ice. That way, I walk into the, to the toilet room. The, the toilet room. <laughs> the toilet room? <laughs> I'm walking into the toilet room. Being sweaty while taking the Duke is one of the worst possible it's a personal nightmare of mine honestly you have no traction with the tush to the seat i mean you're 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 slipping around it is a personal slip and slide folks if you ever want to uh if you're ever you know hot and you just (laughs) you want to cool off and you want to go outside in the slip and slide don't even bother because you know what you could do you could just sit right down on the tv your butt sweating you're gonna be slip and sliding all around that thing ladies and gentlemen there's nothing worse i gotta give a big shout out to uh, the brother of the Toaf man, uh, Kev man. Kev man once said, there is nothing worse than getting out of the shower and sitting down and take a duke in the toilet bowl. You might as well just get right back in the shower and take another one. Because just sitting down on the, with like a wet butt on the toilet seat and you take the duke and you're just like, okay, fuck it. I'm going right back in the shower, taking another one. That's exactly what Sears is trying to prevent. They have been trying to prevent it since the early 2000s. You have to listen to them, folks. What is wrong with you? And with that, come on. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back. Um, I feel like we're better than ever, honestly. Uh, Feeling fine as wine. We got a little segment called... uh, for some reason, it is called Dookie Town, USA. Why? You're gonna have to ask the big one. The, the, the big one. You're gonna have to ask the big dog about. That. You're gonna have to ask the big one why why he called it that. Uh, but the big one really has no more rhyme or, rhyme or reason to anything that he does. He's an absolute lunatic. Um, but that is, regardless. I can't believe some people say. Have you ever heard anyone say ir- irregardless? Like you got to be a fucking idiot to say that. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah people say that. Irregardless of the situation. No, fuck you. It's regardless of the situation. Throwing yeah, it an unnecessary, you know, no, it's unnecessary uh, reverse, uh, whatever the beginning part of the word is. I don't know, something like that. Okay, either way, we're talking about the awards races here in the MLB bullshit shortened COVID season. You really hate to see it. It shouldn't even be a season. Don't even consider it a win. Even if the Yankees win the World Series, it doesn't really count. Either way... Uh, Miguel, we got a couple different awards. We're talking MVP. We're talking Cy Young. We're talking Rookie of the Year. Uh, not Henry Rowan Gardner Rookie of the Year, but the MLB and LNAL Rookie of the Year, folks. So what are we really looking at here? Um, Big Dog, where do you want to start? you want to do MVP? Yeah, so let's do the MVP. I think the races okay. in both leagues are interesting. We can start in the National League where it really seems to let's... be coming down to a few young boys you got freddie freeman of the atlanta braves who chipper he, jones recently made the case that he should definitely win the mvp absolutely uh, you gotta go gotta tip the cap he uh his season seemed a little bit in doubt almost with the coronavirus scare at the beginning there said he was praying for his life um well now opposing pitchers are praying that they never have to see freddie freeman again wow big dog that was a good one come on Holy because he is hitting 340, 11 home runs, 45 runs scored, 48 ribeye nice. steaks, a little extra butter sauce on the steak, Come on. steak sauce on the steak. Yep. Not not butter sauce on the steak. I don't want to be a psychopath. We're cooking the steak in butter. We're putting steak sauce on the steak. It's medium rare. It's Freddie Freeman. 
48 times. Also, the one the 1.07 OPS. Jesus. And a 2.5 uh, war for the season. So Freddie Freeman uh, is definitely in contention for the MVP. Who else Also in contention. How about a guy who last year signed a 10-year, $300 million contract out of nowhere with the San Diego Padres? Wasn't looking so good as in 2019. He only hit 256 with a 334 on base percentage. It wasn't looking great for the Manny Machado signing. Um, but what's he done in 2020? Well, he's bounced back. Fernando Titty Man Jr. was Tit getting all of the he was getting all the headlines early on. Uh, but Manny Machado has actually stolen the show. He is probably the best player on the Padres. 16 home runs. 314 batting average, taking the San Diego Padres back to the postseason for the first time in a long time, folks. 486 ribeye stakes, 376 OBP, 2.6 war, little better than Freeman on the war, but very comparable stats. And you know Manny Machado is always posting up. He's always playing a great third base. Manny Machado, hell of a year. And lastly, before I get your pick, um, we obviously... You know, have some games to play, so things could tilt. The other guy, who is actually leading Major League Baseball in war, is Mr. L.A., the stupidest franchise outside of the Mets, <laughs> the Boston Red Sox. They have traded away Mookie Betts, and he has responded after securing a 13-year deal. Get that money, baby. He leads the MLB in war. He's got a 303 batting average. He plays for the best team in the NL. Some might even say the best team in baseball. I would not be one of those people, though, folks. I hate to say it, but it's true. 39 RBI, 42 runs scored, 376 on base percentage. Best player on the best team. The award is most valuable player. Would be hard to be more valuable than Mookie Betts. Those are my three. Yeah. Um, I think it comes down to those three. Yeah, hard to make a pick right now because it can tilt on what happens over the next few days. There's no doubt about it. When you're only playing 60 games, um, that is very possible. But very quickly, who's your pick, NL MVP, as of now? So overall, um, I, I do like Freddie Freeman. I mean, offensively, I think he's definitely putting up the best numbers of them all. I also do like the Mook man. It's a bit of a cliche just given the monster contract he signed, but folks, he is living up to that cliche. You absolutely do have to love that. Um, also, the Mook man in a you know bit of a more premium defensive position than first base, as opposed to his counterpart Freddie Free Free. Uh, I mean, the Mook man out in out in right is you know making a spectacular show on the defensive end of things as well. Which again, I like to take that into account when you're thinking of MVP, most valuable player. It's not just an offensive statistic, folks. Um, with that being said, to me, Freddie Freeman, I would give it to him, especially the fact that he was fucked in half with COVID uh, in the early months of the year. I really, really do love what the dude is putting together. And he's on my fantasy squad, and he uh, helped me make a nice run towards the end, even though my team stinks the Duke farts. I'm going to go with Freddie Free Free, um, but I do like Mook Man in the number two. I'm going the opposite way, actually. I'm taking Manny Machado as of right now for the MVP. Okay. Um, San Diego Padres have been one of the pleasant surprises of the season. Manny Machado has been the best player on the team. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, the, we've, we've reviewed the numbers. Uh, it's close all the way across the board. I think the value of Machado going out there and playing gold glove caliber third base, got point six defensive war. Manny match, um, the matchmaker. Matchmaker, matchmaker. <laughs> catch me, catch me. I haven't seen that in so long. Fiddler, baby. Um, Fiddler, baby. I, I think Manny Machado, but any of these three guys are deserving. Uh, so next up, we got the AL MVP now. I think the AL MVP is a much more crowded field. I'm gonna try and cycle through these guys quickly because I believe there's about seven guys worthy of okay. consideration. I'll here. tell you who I like. Go for it. I like no relation to Bobby, Jose Abreu. Ladies and gents, the dude is putting up some fucking numeros um, in the offensive category. The dude's got a Triple three batting average. He's got the 55 ribeye steaks with the extra A1 sauce. 40 runs scored. Um, 80 ding-dong Johnsons on the shortened bullshit COVID year. Um, he's playing along a hell of a team there with Timmy, Timmy, Tom, uh, Timmy Tom, Jimmy John, Anderson uh, with the White Sox. Overall, I just kind of love uh, the numbers that Abreu's putting up this year. Miguel, continue. Sorry to butt in there. No, you're good. I mean, cover Jose Abreu. That's He's obviously right at the top of the list. Also up there, his teammate Tim Anderson having a great year, rivaling DJ LeMahieu for the batting title. Um, he won, Anderson won it last year, so he's definitely right up there. Um, those are the two White Sox boys. Then, of course, you have Shane Bieber. Uh, Shane Bieber just putting on an absolute clinic. Yeah. Uh, eight and one. I know people don't love wins, but 112 strikeouts in this shortened season. A yeah. one that's in 72.1 innings. Batch is crazy. .85 WHIP, 1.74 ERA. I could rattle out off the stats all day for Shane Bieber. 3.0 WAR for a pitcher. Incredible uh, season for Shane Bieber. So he's got to be right up there. Next, we got uh, we got Nelson Cruz. Um, you know, just putting up monster numbers for the Twins. This guy just literally—I don't know when he's going to stop hitting home runs, but he seems to be at the top of the leaderboard every single year. Smacking a little in the middle of that really good Twins team that's that's having another great year. Yep. Um, they're going to be headed back to the postseason. One knock against Cruz that I think just makes it so that it's very tough for him to win. He's not playing the field. Um, you know, that takes away an ability to get any sort of uh, war added or value added from your defense. But hell of a year. Can't have this conversation without mentioning Mike Trout. Uh, Trout, it doesn't seem like he's going to win it this year. Team mm -hmm. not very good. you got to hold that against him a little bit. But damn, the stats are just always there for Trout. So he's literally always going to be a part of this conversation. Um, you know, he just is far and away the best player in baseball. Uh, and he's always going to be up there. Doesn't seem like he's going to win it this year, but you got to mention him every single time. Yep. The stats are there. It's just he is not uh, he is not putting up stats that are so much better than the competition to the point where you have to give him the award. I mean, interestingly just, enough, his yeah, it, that's the thing with the competition because that's key. But again, I mean, his stats. If you look at him on par um, at the same pace as what he was putting up last year in his MVP season. Uh, he has an identical batting average, 291. Um, 
He's got 16 homers, which again, it's in about a third of the game. So again, you multiply that by three, and folks, you're looking at the exact same 45 ding-dungs that he hit last year. He's even, you know, he's got 43 ribeyes on the season, which is even more than he hit uh, comparatively last year with 104. So again, numbers, numbers uh, comparatively speaking to last year, but still, it's all about the competition, folks, and the competition is fierce. Yeah, absolutely. Um, three other guys that I would mention. So one is going to be Jose Ramirez. Uh, everyone's been talking about Bieber, but how about Jose Ramirez? I mean, Jose Ramirez is having a hell of a year. Hit a walk-off home run, actually, today. A little three-run bomb from Jose Ramirez. Come big on. time. Uh, Jose Ramirez has been fantastic. 16 home runs, uh, 41 RBI, 376 OBP, 10 steals. The stats are there for Jose Ramirez. He is also uh, towards the top, if not at the top of the leaderboard for AL War. Um, this stuff is fluid, folks, so apologies for not knowing that off the top of my head. Um, and then lastly, of course, I saved the best for last. You got DJ LeMahieu, who we've already uh, we've already gone over how great he's been, and we got Luke Boyd. Um, we already have gone over how great he's been leading the American League in home runs. One thing that, that gives me a bit of a soft spot spot for Voight, and I will admit, so I don't get jumped on, there's some bias in this take, Luke Voight, part of the thing is that if you're looking at this award at face value, which is that it is an award about value, 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 Luke Voight, the fact that he is put up for a team that was just bludgeoned by injuries, the one guy going out there day after day for them, uh, even when he was hurt, even he's still hurt, limping around the bases, but just continuing to mash dongs and keep the Yankees afloat when they needed it and when mm. they were struggling. I got to credit him for that. Um, to, to me, that's important. Yep. Hard to make a pick right now. I need to see how the rest of this pans out. Uh, it would if, if, I'm, if I try to take my Yankee bias out of this, which it's tough for me to do because I, I really, with my Yankee bias, I'm probably saying void. Without it, I, I, it. I, it's tough to not go with a Bray. It's tough to not go with a Bray. Yeah. Um, next up, we have the NL Cy Young. I'm going to skip over the AL Cy Young. It's Shane oh. Bieber. It has been since his second start of the season. Yeah, it's a lock. It's a lock. It's the only one of these things that's a lock. Um, but next up, we have the... NL Cy Young and man, this might be this the most interesting race of all. This is tight, folks. We got we got the incumbent. We got Jacob Degrom. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jacob Degrom statement game with the 14 strikeouts. Team couldn't pick up the win, but the awards voters have stopped caring about that. Uh, he's going for the three peat, and damn, he really uh, he really put on a show uh, yeah. as he as he tried to make a statement for the third in a row. We had Max Freed, Max Freed of the Braves having a great season. Free chicken, season. baby, the free chicken, come on. Free chicken, uh, Kentucky Freed chicken. Uh, <laughs> you can trademark that, MLB. Uh, he is leading uh, National League pitchers in war. He is a 1.96 ERA. Uh, just incredible um, season so far for Max Freed. You got Denilson Lamette. You got Denilson, you baby. Darvish. Denil you Denil. got Trevor Bauer. You got Corbin Burns. I mean, Corbin Burns, folks. For those of you who don't know, Corbin Burns having a crazy season. He's 4-0. He's got a 1.77 ERA. He's got 83 strikeouts and 56 innings. Like, where the fuck did this dude Corbin Burns come from? Come on, get out of here. So that is the race. Um, for me, 
as of now, and it will matter what happens in the next starts. Yep. I'm going Trevor Bauer. I just think okay. Trevor Bauer overall has had the best season, but you cannot go wrong with any of these picks. Uh, no, it's going to be hard for you to not choose DeGrom, just as it is for me to not choose Voight or LeMahieu. Uh, so curious, who has your pick for Cy Young? So I think if DeGrom brings his ERA down, uh, if he could bring it below two, I think that puts him in the front running. And he has the ability to do that, uh, you know, given he, if he can get enough scoreless innings in his uh, next start remaining in this season. Uh, he's got, you know, because the thing that, that I don't like about Corbin Burns and, and Max the Kentucky Freed Chicken is that innings pitched, they've pitched a whole 10 innings less than the other guys who are in the running. You're talking Trevor Bauer, uh, Dinald, Dinald, Testaquilla, Lamette, Grommer. You could throw you Darvish in the mix if you wanted to. Uh, but these are guys who are, you know, have 65-plus innings pitched on the year. Gordon Burns and Freed are at 56-55, respectively. So, again, that's 10 less innings pitched in the grand scheme of things in a co- shortened COVID season. That's a solid percentage, right? So you're looking at, what is that, 11%, 12% less innings in a, in a season, something like that? It's so a lot. It's a I lot. think that definitely needs to be uh, accounted for. Uh, Kentucky Freed Chicken, he's only got 50 Ks, you know, across 55 innings pitched. Not crazy about that statistic. Overall, I would kind of throw him out, toss him in the trash, a uh, big old sack of dude. You could throw a uh, pinwheel hat on him or a dunce cap. I do like uh, Denilson Lamette. Uh, the big thing with Grommer, I mean, he's got a 13.4 K through 9 right now. So you do have to love that statistic, folks. Uh, but again, this is tight. This is tight. I would probably give the edge to Bauer right now because I think he's just been so unbelievably dominant. And of course, you know, being on a better team like that definitely gives you a bit of a better look. Um, hmm. Not that great though. Either way, uh, still, I would uh, I would probably give it to Bauer at this point unless Degrom can get his ERA under two. The whole 1.8 ERA with Bauer versus the 2.14 that Degrom has right now to me that's the game changer. DeGrom needs to get it under under two if he wants a chance. Otherwise, you got to give it to Bauer, tip the cap, tie a little bow on it, Duke and the TB, come on. The fact is, folks, those three awards races are going to be tight in this final week. A lot at stake, uh, we do as I mentioned before. No, um, I'll quickly go over. We can quickly go over Rookie no, of the Year. No, we don't need to. We don't need to. We don't it's going to be Kyle Lewis in the AL. Debatable. It's going to be either, it's either going to be Louis, Cronenworth, Louis, Louis Cronenworth or Alec Baum. The boy is putting on some big numbers now. Come on. And a big shout-out to Devin Williams in the NL as well. He will not get recognized because he is a reliever, but he has really had a sensational year right, for on. the Brewers. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a great last week. A lot at stake. Um, I know I mentioned that we would talk about the playoffs, but let's save that for the playoff preview episode. We'll talk we'll about how it, teams will line up. We'll talk about the postseason. We're going to have a great time. The Mets won't be in it. The Yankees will be. What else is new? That is one thing that is normal in 2020, folks. The Yankees are good. The Mets are not. This podcast is dope. And our fans are all over the globe, folks. Wow. Thank you. A nice little haiku by the big dog to top off the cherry for today's episode, ladies and gents. You got to dab on him. You got to love it. You got to suck it. You got to vote in November. 
you got to get this orange sack of shit out of the White House, folks. You really hate to see it. It's embarrassing for America. We're the laughingstock of the entire globe, and we need to do something about it. So let's get him out. Biden ain't the best, but he's much better, folks. Come on, you know how it does. You know how it's done. Love you all. Much love. God bless. God, God, may God bless you, and may God keep you. Uh, Shana Tova to all of our Jewish listeners out there. Sweet New Year, baby. Eat your apples and the honey. Come on. We got, uh, isn't Yomi Kips coming around? Is that next week? Yomi Kips is uh, Sunday night. We're going to start Shit. the fast. We're going to head on into Monday. We're going to sleep. Yeah. We're going to wake up. We're going to fast. And then we're going to eat bagels, cream cheese, lox, maybe a couple blintzes, maybe a little chicken salad, maybe a little tuna fish. It really is just one of the greatest meals of the entire calendar year. Break fast. When you first, when you have that first bagel bite. Oh, it is just one of the greatest bites that you take all year. It it's really one is one of the greatest bites you take in your entire lifetime. And and you know what? You get it every single year. It's gonna be great, folks. Yomi Kips, Roshi Shans, hell of a two week stretch. Ladies and gents, it's the it's Jewish the, people. The Roshi hash into the Yomi Kips combo. It's one of the best of the year. Everyone loves it. You gotta love it. No one's sucking it right now. Um, come on, baby. All right, that's all we got right now. Uh, Shana Tova. All that good stuff. God bless, baby. Come on.